Welcome to the Women Unveiled podcast. I'm your host, Erica Etienne. On this show, I have real conversations with women who remove their masks and share uncut and unfiltered stories of faith, redemption, sacrifice, and more. No subject or story is off limits. It's my belief and my testimony that God is a redeemer. Nothing we experience is a waste. The Lord can use everything you've gone through for your good and His glory. Each week, you'll learn about God's faithfulness, the truth of His power, and how He is present in every trial, just as He promises. So whether you're a new believer or a seasoned saint, you'll be encouraged, empowered, and equipped to keep fighting the good fight of faith. Let's get into this next story. Hey everyone, we're back again with another story. And today we're hearing from one of my dear sister friends. Her name is Tracy Ruffin. Tracy is all things amazing, guys. She is the founder and president of Sister Circle Medina. She has a reputable gift for reaching, inspiring, and empowering others. Through the diversity of her community involvement, she is a groundbreaking influence to women of all ages, nationalities, and socioeconomic backgrounds. She is a mentor, speaker, a sexual assault and domestic violence advocate, and a certified leader for Surrendering the Secret, a support group for post-abortive women. Her passion for women motivates her to tirelessly extend her encouragement to women wherever she can. Her light of hope and infectious energy also serve to present programs in her community. She longs to see denominational and racial barriers broken down and people united, She serves as an ordained clergy in Medina, Ohio, under the pastorate of her husband. She is passionate about helping women pursue a fresh encounter with God and align with his word. And I will say she's all of that and more. Tracy has been just a blessing to my life. We had an immediate connection when we met a couple of years ago, and this show just can't be done without having her on it. So Tracy, thank you and welcome. Thank you. I'm so glad to be yes. here. Yes. So Tracy was a co-author in my second project, Women Unveiled Volume 2, Secrets of Strong Women. And she shared a powerful story about her survival of domestic violence and having been in one of those relationships actually at a very, very young age. And something that we probably don't talk about enough is domestic violence in teenage relationships. And so she opened that door, shares that story. And so I'm just elated for you guys to hear how God has used her since then. So Tracy, just give us a little glimpse of young Tracy, the high schooler. (laughs) So that's funny to think back on. And the moment you said, you know, domestic violence at a young age, It reminded me, yeah, I was young back then because it made me feel like I was old, if that makes sense. It made me feel like I was older. But a glimpse into 16-year-old Tracy, I think back to a girl who people thought had it all together because I was in the in crowd, you know, what they called back then. I was a cheerleader. I was on homecoming court. I was all those things that you know, people think you have to be. But I had this deep, dark secret. My boyfriend was actually abusing me. And I didn't want to tell anyone. I was afraid. He threatened me often to not tell anyone. So I literally, and he was in college and I was in high school. 
I literally was going to school with this secret. I would cover up bruises. I would, you know, go to football games and cheer. I would go to basketball games and cheer. And I would always put on what I know now to be this mask. So I would just mask it all, cover it all up and keep going until the time that I couldn't. Did your mom like have any idea of what you were going through? Did she suspect anything? No, I would say mom didn't suspect anything. My mom was a single mom. She was raising me and my brother. So a lot of times she was holding down two or three jobs. A lot of times we were at home because we had to be And there. I'm not saying anything negative about that. I'm just saying there were times that she wasn't always there. So she wasn't aware that I was being abused. And I made sure that I hid it from her. I do remember her telling me because this family in particular had a history of domestic violence. The brothers abused their wives, you know, the father abused the mother. So there was a history there and my mom knew of the history. And so I always wonder in the back of my mind, did she always assume? But at that time, she did not know. Wow. I can't even imagine for all the many things that are going on in a teenage girl's life, having to add that to the plate. Of course, that's somewhere where you and I connect because I actually got married young and was in an abusive relationship. So I was 18, so not much older than you were. But just being in high school (laughs) with all the social things that are happening then and learning at such a young age how to hide, (laughs) how to hide something like that. You go on, you graduate high school and you continue this relationship. Yeah, actually, I didn't graduate high school. So I was actually, it was my senior year. I was still dating this man. I started dating him as a freshman. So all through high school, I was being abused. He had a very jealous streak. I didn't graduate because it was my senior year. Now imagine this, because it's my senior year. I was on homecoming court. All the big things were happening. I got my senior pictures taken. Back then they had class rings. I don't even think they do that anymore. (laughs) But like I had my class ring, like there were all of these big things that you look forward to as a high school senior. And it was April, I'll never forget this in all of my life. It was April of the year that I was supposed to graduate. And because I was missing school, because there were a lot of other things that happened in between, had to leave home, moved in with my boyfriend's family, became pregnant with my son. And this is all during my senior year. (laughs) So when I tried to, because of the amount of days that I had missed, they told me I couldn't graduate with my class. I just remember that feeling of, are you serious? Like, you're not going to let me walk the stage. And, you know, so all of these things were happening. And I did, I stayed with him through all of this. So I ended up not graduating high school. I did go back and get my GED, but I ended up not graduating high school, staying with this young man's family and having my son all in that same year. Wow. That is a whole lot. I had a question pop in my mind because, you know, women are listening to this and they probably have teenage daughters who are dating And I'm just curious, I grew up in a house with a single mom too, so like I so understand, but what do you think you needed from your mom back then? And I want to ask that because sometimes we get so caught up with our parenting that we can miss opportunities. What do you think you needed from your mom back then? 
What I think I needed from mom, as I reflect back on it, was just more time, even if I would have thought that she's seen me. And what I mean by that is just I wondered if she actually took the time to look at me to see the hurt or the pain or anything that I was going through or trying to hide. So I think if it was just a moment in time that she actually seen me or would have sat down and even asked, you know, are you okay? But she was so busy with trying to take care of my brother and I and making sure we had everything. You'd never know we were poor, <laughs> you know, or low income because she worked her butt off to make sure we had physical things. But I believe what I was missing was that emotional piece. And so I just wanted her to really just to see me. Yeah. I mean, cause that's hard, especially, you know, your mom was everything, right? And then you yeah. have to go off and you go live with your boyfriend's family at the time. How was that? So that <laughs> was crazy, but just because I thought I knew everything, like I just knew I wanted to be with him and wasn't no one going to tell me otherwise. At that point, mom was just tired. Like, if you think you're grown, then go on, <laughs> you know, you go on to see what it's like, you know, that's really about how it was, you know, but it just, it wasn't a good situation. And that's where I found out that there were other things going on in his home, his dad abusing his wife, his dad being an alcoholic, you know, all of these other pieces and parts and all of his many brothers and sisters that all lived under the same roof. It was just really a dysfunctional place to be. So it was difficult. And at the end of the day, I would have never been like, mom, you're right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that, just, that just didn't seem like the right thing to do at the moment. But all along, I was going to sleep at night with tears in my eyes, like, I just want to go home. So yeah, it just wasn't a good place to be at that time. It's so funny how our pride kicks in, even at a young age. Like, I know it all. I got this. Mom knows nothing. Like, she just learned this stuff yesterday, apparently. She didn't live right. life. I joke because I went to live with my brother in 11th grade because same kind of know-it-all <laughs> stuff <laughs> attitude. And two weeks later, I called, like, can I come home? And she, she was like, nope. <laughs> you stay. You want to go and finish out the year? Then you come back. <laughs> Very and it hurt. <laughs> I want to ask, like, did you grow up in church? Like, were you exposed to that? So were you like praying for a way out? No, I did not grow up in church. But back in my day, there was a bus that came through the neighborhood that picked up the kids for church. And I was on that bus. And my mom and her siblings, their mother you know, made them go to church. So mom wasn't actually like involved in church and didn't make me go to church, but I wanted to, like, I always wanted to just hop on this bus. I thought it was cool to hop on the bus and go to church. Little did I know that all along there were these seeds being planted. And so when it came time to talking or praying or asking this God that I got on the bus to go to Sunday school and sit in church to learn about, Quite honestly, it seemed like the natural thing to do, like just to call on God. I've seen it done. I've heard people do it. So I thought I'd try, you know, like, God, <laughs> I know you're there. Like, it's just the weirdest thing how you can become attached to something that you really don't know. It's hard to explain, but I just knew that even in the getting on the van, the church bus, going to school, those seeds that were planted, it was there. So I knew that there was some type of connection, like there had to be something bigger than me that could save me. 
How did God answer you? Oh my gosh, Erica. So I just remember in those moments of, am I going to make it? It's hard to put a picture for people to really understand what was going on because people ask all the time, why did you stay? Like, why did you keep dating this boy (laughs) in high school that kept beating on you? Like, why did you stay? And I remember specifically the chapter that I wrote in the book. I remember that night specifically because I thought I was going to die. And not only did I think I was going to die, I thought my baby was going to die as well because I was pregnant with my son. So I just remember calling out to God, like, please help me. And in that moment, I didn't even know it wasn't like this deep theological, you know, (laughs) prayer. It was simply God help me. And I know without a shadow of a doubt that he helped me because it was when I got to the hospital that he surrounded me with angels that protected me because people were saying, well, no, you're not going to go back home. And I was begging like, please don't let me leave with him. Please don't, you know, behind the scenes, please don't tell him. So I know that God's hand was over me the whole entire time because the moment I had to pretend that I was in labor, Mm -hmm is the moment that I thought to myself, okay, this is my way out. But not knowing in hindsight, it really was God because the last thing he said to me is you better be in labor when we get to the hospital. It just amazes me that I was. Like, I don't know if I would have thought that. I mean, call me crazy, but I know God's hand was working through all of that. So the ironic thing, sis, is that my son's birth date, due date, was the same He came on his due date. And so I just, you know, people can call it coincidental. They can call it crazy. I call it God. I believe he had his hand on me the moment I opened my mouth and said, help. He was there. He stopped the beating. I got to the hospital. I was in labor. My son came. And here I am today because I made it. (laughs) To God be the glory. Like that is so remarkable. But the thing that I want people to catch on to from that is that you weren't some holy roller standing around reading your Bible all day, every day on your knees, praying, fasting, and God still kept his hand on you. Ah, yeah, yeah. He's so good. Because a lot of people think, especially when they're only focused on their circumstances, that you know, God is only going to rescue the ones who have it together. Isn't that crazy that we think that? Like, yes, I do believe that my relationship, I'm grateful that my relationship has grown to it. It's so intimate right now that it's just good. (laughs) But even I love how you put that because his grace, like he has so much grace that even the sinner, you know, He's going to help if you just open your mouth and ask him. He's right there every single time. I love that because, yeah, I can guarantee you I was not a holy roller (laughs) during during that time. Yeah. What kind of word of encouragement would you offer to someone who is in a relationship? Maybe their faith walk is rocky, but they know it's time to go and they just don't know how. Wow. So I'm asked that question often. and. It hurts me and it almost makes me to a point of anger when I see and can recognize the signs of abuse that's going on. But if I had to give someone some encouragement that's in a relationship, an abusive relationship, I would encourage you to please get out 
because it's for your own good. It's for you. Like sometimes we're always looking out for at most of the time we're looking out for everyone else. As a matter of fact, we're even concerned for the abuser and that's to a fault sometimes. So my encouragement would be, you know, to seek counseling, get someone that you trust that you can share with and call on God. Even if you feel like you don't have that relationship where you feel like he would hear you trust and believe that if all you can get out of your mouth is help, help is right there. (laughs) And so just, you know, keep trying to walk in your healing because what you need to know is that you're worth it. Like you're worth a better relationship that God doesn't desire for us to stay in relationships where we're being abused. I believe that that's a stigma that people put on us that we're supposed to stay in marriage because God is against divorce. And, you know, you hear all of these things, but if God doesn't desire for you to be abused, like you're precious to him. So get the help that you need, find someone that you trust and then get godly counsel. I would encourage godly counsel and then, you know, protect yourself. And if you have children, make sure you protect them as well. Amen. Indeed. I want to add to that by saying this, all abuse is not physical. Okay. Some of it is emotional. Some of it, you know, verbal, it could be money. It could be spiritual. Abuse looks different for people. And sometimes when it's not physical, people don't always recognize that abuse is abuse and they don't recognize that it is just as damaging and bad. And so, you know what? I'm sorry. I agree with, you know, when you say that, it's a big deal because people, honestly, I could recognize the abuse, whether it's emotional, mental, whether it's a matter of controlling, you know, all of those things, you're right. They're abused financially, like all of that. And so people automatically, when they hear the word domestic violence or when they hear abuse, they automatically attach it to physical. Had I been more in tune to what abuse was, I would have seen the signs before he actually put his hands on me, you know, because there were signs now that in hindsight that I can see, and it just all led up to that first punch, you know? So you're absolutely right. Like you have to be aware of those red flags. We talk about that all the time, but if he doesn't want you going somewhere or hanging out with your friends, or if it's a matter of, holding on to your money and telling you how to spend it, or, you know, all of those things are telling you that you're not any good or nobody's going to want you. Those are emotional and mental. All of that's domestic violence. All All of it. it. And I am (laughs) so with you on that. I tell people after I went through what I went through, it's like my spirit knows that spirit quick and you don't even have to speak to me. It jumps out it knows I'm coming. And so I will call it out every time. (laughs) I will call it out every time. And I have not been wrong when God has shown me that. And I want to even touch on the spiritual abuse, okay? Because I lived it. When someone is mocking God because of your walk or causing you to want to have faith in them, rather than your God in heaven, that is also spiritual abuse, preventing you from getting spiritual counsel, trying to block you from going to church or praying or worshiping, listening to worship music. Any of that can be considered spiritual abuse. So I just want you to be well aware of what the picture can look like because it can have detrimental effects. And like Tracy mentioned, these things pile up. 
the first thing, my first experience was not a blow, you know, it was everything else before the hit. And so, you know, hopefully you hear this and you can get help before it gets that bad. But even if it is that bad, you know that there's support and there's help out there. And so Tracy, I want to ask you, you know, you obviously have survived that, moved on, went through some more things in life. (laughs) And here you are today, you know, God has truly been faithful to you. So can you just give the people a glimpse of what life is like now for you? So I am so grateful to God that even when I look back over my life, like I realize just how far he's brought me and that he has blessed me. And when I say blessing, it's not always, I'm not talking about money and houses and cars. I'm not talking about any of that. Like I'm talking about the fact that I'm still here. I'm still standing. I'm in love with him and I'm able to stand sure-footed knowing with full confidence <laughs> that the work that he began in me, he's going to complete it. I can stand here today because here I am in my third marriage. And it's crazy because I can be in a setting of women and we can be talking about marriage. And then someone will say something like, can you believe that so-and-so has been married three times? And I'm, you know, or can you believe that those kids had babies at the age of 16? Or can you believe? And I'm just sitting there like, oh, wow. If they knew my story, they're talking about me. And so they get real uncomfortable when I say things like, well, I've been married three times. This is my third marriage. So I said that to say my third marriage and I, I, you know, (laughs) third time's a charm. Maybe I don't want to find out like any other way. My current husband and I just celebrated 18 years of marriage. And when I tell you by the grace of God. Like when I tell people marriage is work, they always look at me like, gosh, you make it sound like it's such a, and I'm not trying to say that. I'm just saying it's not a cakewalk. Like I don't believe marriage is for the faint at heart. You know, it takes work. You have to understand and build your relationship on Jesus Christ. Because when you understand what your foundation is, then everything else that builds on top of that foundation, you know, you're building this structure. So the fact that my husband and I have celebrated 18 years in the first five years, I divorced him in my head every single day. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, seriously, like I'm so grateful that God has brought me this far because I know When I look back over the things that I've gone through, I'm grateful that my husband stuck around because I tried everything to make him leave because I honestly was just waiting for the other shoe to fall. Like he's going to hit me. He's going to abuse me. Yeah, this he can't be. No, this is not it. Like he doesn't raise his voice and he won't argue. You know, he'll just kind of walk away for a minute or he shuts down. That's different for me. Like I'm not used to that. I'm used to the opposite end of it. I'm grateful to God that. I have a man that loves him first. And so when he loves him first, then he knows how to love me. So here I am, you know, 18 years later, having been through two failed marriages, who both of those men have not only physically abused me, but they mentally, emotionally, financially, they did it across the board. And so I am just so grateful that I was able to release (laughs) all of those things so that I can receive what God had for me. And so in that releasing and receiving, you know, I've been big on that. Like that's the word that God has been giving me lately. I'm just grateful that after all that I've been through, because it didn't have to be like this. I could, I, for a while since I thought I was wearing this badge, like 
I'm only attracted to the men that abuse me. Like, or I don't know, it's weird because those are the men that I attracted. And so I'm grateful that now I'm in a place where I believe that I deserve what God has for me, you know? And now I'm in a place where I know that it's not that someone's supposed to put their hands on me or their mouth on me or whatever it is. Like, I'm so grateful that 18 years later, here I am, and I'm able to go back and bring those sisters along with me. It's not about me. It's what God wants to do through me. And so I honestly do believe that we go through what we go through to help somebody else, to bring them alongside of us and to bring them up out of that. I believe that. I'm a firm believer of that. I honestly believe that's why our spirits connected yours and mine, because there's so many similarities in our, not only in our lives, but just in our journeys. So I'm grateful, Erica, that you and your ministry has pulled these things up out of me because even, you know, let's see, my son is 30, he's 38. So even 38 years later, as I'm telling this story for the first time, that everyone's picked up the book and actually read it and went, oh, I didn't know. And then there's some that's reading it going, yeah, I knew that. You know, and so I'm not sure where they stand with that. But at the end of the day, I really, it doesn't matter to me. What I know is God told me to share my story and I trusted you in your ministry and your platform to go ahead and make that happen. And I'm so grateful to God for all of that. So thank you. I'm sure. No, it's, let me jump in because I actually wanted to ask (laughs) you, you know, that's the other side of this. There is the journey and highlighting just where God was present through all of that. But we're also called to share our story, to tell our testimony. You told your testimony 30 some years after it happened in a way that will never be erased, right? The book never goes away. The documentary (laughs) never goes away. What was that like for you? And how important did you feel that was? I was terrified. The whole writing process, the whole screening of the documentary, when I look back on those things, I just remembered the fear. Like I had a level of fear, like, oh my God. And then when it finally, I remember when we were about to launch and I was like, oh God, it's too late to pull out now. I can't, (laughs) It's, it's about to happen. But afterwards there was such a freedom. Like I can't even explain the next level. Like I don't believe, like we have, I feel like God and I have like this, like real deep, intimate connection. But once that book was released, it took it to a whole new level. The freedom that came along with the story being out there. I remember as the books were being sold and I was seeing the names that were coming through of the people that were ordering these books. I remember thinking, oh my gosh, that's the family. And I knew a lot of people were only getting it because they were nosy, to be honest, you know, but the freedom and the release that took place and the testimonies that are coming back about, wow, I didn't know that you went through that. And I'm so sorry you went through that. I'm talking about from family members, you know, of the abuser. My son, he actually said to me, mom, thank you for saving me. Thank you for protecting me. And I was afraid even in that moment that he would feel some kind of way in reading the chapter, because those are things that he doesn't know. He heard, but he didn't know the detail behind it. The chapter told the detail, you know, so Erica, 
the release and the freedom that came along with that, I can't even explain it. To be able to share it and to be able to use the book to go to other places. Like I've been invited to come talk about Women Unveiled, (laughs) you know, so that's a whole new thing. When people read all the stories, you know, not just the domestic violence or how I made it, but every other aspect of how God is our strength and he's the one that has helped and brought me through all of this. Like this isn't because I was so great or that I had, you know, some tennis shoes that I could run really fast and get away. It was the fact that his grace and that's what made me strong. So praise God. And I think what's really important to highlight as well is you are already doing work in the domestic violence arena. You are already doing ministry. You were already doing these things before you shared this piece of your story, right? And so all the work you did before was not in vain. God used this formal way and then elevated from there. And the reason I want to highlight that is because sometimes we're doing work, serving, giving back because of something that we're connected to from our experiences, but we still haven't quite yet shared our story or the full scope of it, right? And so When we do that, like you said, there's a release that happens and God opens more opportunity for us to continue. He can use it further than you saw it, right? I tell people sometimes, you know, sharing your story is that bridge between your experience and where God wants to take you. Because if only you know what happened and only you know how He rescued you, you know, that's the extent of the reach. But as soon as you get you know, a little bit of courage and you share your story with somebody else, you never know how God will use you. You never know who will be set free. You never know what questions will be answered. You know, I'm sure that did a lot for your son, for him to be able to piece together, you know? Yeah. I think it's interesting that you said that, like the wholeness of it, because yes, I've been out there in that arena, domestic violence. I am an advocate for that, but I never told the story. Like I could say, yes, I'm a survivor, you know, but I never really had the opportunity to share in the fullness. Even the fact that I work in the abortion Bible study field, surrendering the secret, you know, those are all pieces of this story. You know, I actually aborted one of his children, you know, because I thought if I had another one, I was never going to get rid of him. Right. So now back then, that was my way out. Like that was the only thing that I could think that was going to help me. Like I, there's no way I can have another one of this man's kids. There's no way, you know, because now he's going to forever be attached to me through these children. And so I did, you know, I had an abortion and now in my relationship with God, you know, he's forgiven me and I've learned to forgive myself, you know, and that's huge because if you don't forgive yourself for all of these things. So yes, the platforms that God has allowed me to use for his glory, you know, the domestic violence, surrendering the secret, all of those pieces tie in to that, but to God be the glory that, you know, he uses everything that was meant to take us out, you know, to kill us. He uses all those things for our good. We can't see it. You know, it's just like Romans eight twenty eight says, you know, and we know that all things work together for the good for those that are the called, you know, and I always think about mixing up a cake, you know, you pour in the batter, you put the eggs, you put none of it's good on its own. You're not just going to start picking out, but once you start mixing that batter and tasting it, then it tastes good. So that's what I think about now in hindsight, all those things I've had to endure 
was thrown into that bowl <laughs> and it mixed up and God is using it, you know, for his glory. So yeah, it's absolutely good. I don't know. People ask me all the time, would you change anything? If you had all to do over, what would you change? And quite honestly, sis, I could think of a gazillion things like, hmm. But at the end of the day, I wouldn't be who I am today had I not gone through all the things that I've gone through. So I can honestly, honestly say, I don't think I would change anything. You know, I would just keep it because God is glorified and that's all it's all about. I just want him to be glorified in my life. And he is. And I know he is so proud of you. <laughs> and I know that many women, I know of at least about 50 something of them <laughs> who are eternally changed because of their encounter oh, with wow. you and including myself. So I just want to say thank you for once again joining me to talk some more about you know your experience. Do you have anything else that you want to share as encouragement to someone who needs to know that they can make it? I just want to say thank you again, Erica. This is fun. Like I'm okay once it gets started, you know, but the whole leading up to this whole thing, yeah, I'm like, I don't know about that. But anyways, I enjoy because it's just like sitting having a conversation with my girlfriend, <laughs> which is what you are. So I have this scripture that I stand on that I just kind of wanted to just share before we close. And it's something that ever since I've met you, ever since that I've been going to P3 Emerge Retreats, ever since I've met you to do this documentary, this has stood out to me. And you are like this person in my ear, like pushing. And I've called you purpose pusher before because I honestly believe that God uses you in that way. And so Isaiah 61, it's always been one of my favorites. But ever since I met you, like when I tell you I've taken a deep dive, I've went to the high dive and jumped deep into these waters and it's opened up brand new doors. And it's Isaiah 61, where it says the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings into the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to them that are bound to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all that mourn, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that you might be called the trees of righteousness, planting of the Lord so that he might be glorified. That whole first three verses has taken on a whole new meaning to me because it's in the release that you can receive. And that whole Isaiah 61 verses one through three, you're releasing something so that you can receive. Release your ashes so that you can receive the crown of beauty. Release your mourning so that you can receive the oil of joy. Release the heaviness so that you can dance in your garments of praise, like all of that. And I feel like that is what I've learned to stand on because I've connected with you. So it's taken on a whole new meaning. And if I had to leave anyone with that, with some encouragement, release all the things that you think you need to hold on to so that you can receive what God has for you. Release that unworthiness, knowing that you are worthy because God gave his son for you to be worthy. So you just have to learn that you are worthy to receive all that God has for you.
go ahead and preach because <laughs> she does that too. <laughs> That's good. That is so good. That is so good. That is so good. I hope you guys wrote that down. Listen, everything that Tracy has spoken, I will make sure I highlight that in the show notes. Tracy, is there any particular way that the people can stay in connection with you? Yes. So you could reach me via email and my email address is Tracy dot L dot Ruffin at gmail.com. So that's T-R-A-C-E-Y dot L dot R-U-F-F like Frank I-N at gmail.com. You can send me an email that way. You can also find me on Facebook at Tracy Robinson Ruffin. Again, that's Tracy Robinson Ruffin. Or you can visit the website of my women's nonprofit organization, Sister Circle Medina. And that's www.sistercirclemedina.com. You could also reach me that way by filling out a contact sheet or sending me a message through the website. I will receive that. So that's three ways that you could reach me. Awesome. And then I want to just add this. If you or anyone you know is experiencing domestic violence or needs to get assistance, you can call the National Domestic Violence Hotline at 1-800-799-7233. You can even send a text, text the word START to 88788. There is help all around you. Definitely you can send a message to us here. We will definitely not let you go unassisted. So Tracy, thanks again. This has been awesome. Always is a pleasure to talk to you. You guys stay tuned. We have more stories like this to come and let us know what you think about this episode. Thank you so much for listening today. I hope this story has been as much of an encouragement to you as it was to me and a reminder of the power in sharing your story. Please make sure you subscribe to the podcast and share it with every powerful woman you know. As always, you can keep up with all the latest Women Unveiled happenings by joining our mailing list at womenunveiled.info and following us on Instagram. All the links and resources from today's episode will be in the show notes. That's all for now. See you next time.